episode 51, Middle Ages Retrospective. Hi, my name is Clayton Mills. Welcome to A Short Walk Through Our Long History, a podcast where we look at the events of history and examine how those events shaped our modern world. Wow, this is the 51st episode of this podcast. We'll be talking about the modern world any day now. But before we get to the New World, the Enlightenment, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, the chaos of the 1800s, the further chaos of the 1900s, and the soul-crushing angst of the new millennium, let's take a look back at the chaos of the 400s, the chaos of the Vikings, the soul-crushing angst of the Dark Ages and feudalism, the awe-inspiring majesty of the Renaissance, and the paradigm-shifting insights of the Reformation. And just to summarize the time frame, the Middle Ages began with the fall of Rome in September of AD 476, and they kind of end somewhere around the 1600s. Some scholars will say that the 1700s are the beginning of the modern era. But unlike the fall of Rome, there's not such a clear defining event that says, well, the era is over and a new era is beginning. The Middle Ages kind of peter out and meld into the new modern age, and that just kind of slowly starts. Shakespeare, for example, is really part of the Middle Ages, as is the King James Bible. But Rene Descartes and his book, Discourse on the Method, which was published in 1637, just 25 years after the King James Bible, he and his book are part of the modern era. Plymouth Colony was founded in 1620, and that's just a little bit after Shakespeare, but that's definitely much more a part of the modern era than the Middle Ages. If I had to personally pick a Fall of Rome type moment to say, yes, this is when the modern era begins, well, that's what I would pick. It's the day the pilgrims anchored off of what is now Massachusetts and wrote down an agreement about how they would govern themselves, which we now know as the Mayflower Compact. That was in December of 1620. But that's just me, and most scholars wouldn't pick that date. Anyway, the Middle Ages end kind of with the end of the 1500s, and the modern era is definitely up and running by the 1700s, so maybe the 1600s are just sort of a kind of transition era. But man, a lot happens in the 1600s. Remember how we said a lot had happened early in the early 1400s? That was back in episode 38 on the High Renaissance. Well, similarly, a lot is about to happen in the 1600s but we'll be getting to that soon. This is a retrospective episode, so we're supposed to be looking back. The ancient world ended when Rome fell to the Goths in September of 476, and the Middle Ages were on. For a good while there, there was just mostly Gothic chaos as migrating barbarian tribes dominated what was going on in Europe. But then we switched to mostly Muslim chaos. Muhammad was born in AD 570, and by 100 years later, the Muslim empire, led by the caliphs, was expanding all across Arabia, into North Africa, and beginning to test the Byzantine empire on the west side of Europe. Eventually, the Muslims conquered Turkey, and all of North Africa, and most of Spain. But then, when they tried to expand into France, they met the guy with one of the best nicknames of all time, Charles the Hammer. Ironically, he was part of one of the barbarian tribes that had helped take down the Romans, that is, the Franks. The Franks had settled in France, hence the name France, which had been the Roman province of Gaul. 
Charles the Hammer defeated the Muslim Moors, and he kept France Frankish. He was eventually succeeded by his grandson, Charles, who became known as Charles the Great or Charlemagne, and he ruled for 43 years until A.D. 814. He presided over a brief revival of law and order and art known as the Carolingian Renaissance, but it was sort of short-lived because after Charlemagne, Europe plunged into the darkest part of the Dark Ages. And after Charlemagne, we also have what is known as the Medieval Warm Period, where the seasonal ice that usually froze the Baltic melted and released the Kraken. I mean, released the Vikings. The Vikings were a group of Baltic tribes who had mostly lived by raiding other villages in the Baltic area using their longboats. But because of the Medieval Warm Period, they were able to expand and raid all up and down the coasts of Europe. The Vikings terrorized and colonized Europe for about 200 years, and even explored all the way to the New World. They ended up being an important factor in the development of England and parts of France. Meanwhile, in the areas that weren't actually on fire from a Viking raid, feudalism was spreading across Europe. The key concept of feudalism was that the feudal lord owned all the land, the buildings, the crops, and even some of the people that lived on his land, and basically imposed his law and his own rules on them. Feudal lords were bound by feudal agreements to the lords and kings above them and also bound to protect the lower lords below them. And all of it was tied to land ownership. If you owned land, you had some rights. If not, well, you were a serf, and that was basically a kind of slave. Feudalism dominated the economy and society of Europe for about a thousand years. Well, feudalism and the Roman church. Those were the two main social structures. During the dark part of the Dark Ages, the church organized the Crusades, which sent invading armies to the Holy Land to recapture Jerusalem and other cities. Now, to be fair, these cities had been recently captured by the Muslim Ottoman Turks, so it wasn't just a unilateral invasion, but it was an attempt to recapture lost Byzantine lands. But the Crusades were bloody, and they left a long, deep scar in the relationship between Christians and Muslims. But both Christianity and Islam had to put their squabbling aside around the late 1200s, though, because they were both threatened by the encroaching Mongol Empire, led by their great warlord, Genghis Khan, and then later by his grandson, Kublai Khan. The Mongol Empire became the largest empire in the Middle Ages, controlling almost four times as much land as the Roman Empire had. But once Kublai Khan died in 1294, the Mongol Empire fell apart. About this same time, Marco Polo left Venice and explored the Far East, possibly even meeting Kublai Khan. Then he came back to Europe, published a book of his travels, and the race to explore the world began. The beginning of the Age of Exploration is also the beginning of the Renaissance. As the 1400s began, the Renaissance began first in Florence, then expanded all across Italy and Southern Europe. Fueled by trade with the East and the fall of Byzantium, Art, architecture, philosophy, and economy began to flourish. This included Dante's great works in Italian, including the Inferno, and also soon included the amazing painting, architecture, and sculpture of da Vinci, Michelangelo, Raphael, and others. Simultaneously, at this same time, the Portuguese were sailing their trading ships farther and farther around Africa, eventually sailing all the way around and getting to India and beyond. This opened up new trade routes to India and the Spice Islands, and soon all the seafaring countries of Europe were exploring the world. 
The High Renaissance happened in Italy in the late 1400s and the early 1500s, as da Vinci, Michelangelo, and Raphael created some of the most beautiful art ever. And at the same time, Christopher Columbus sailed west and found India. Or so he thought. He actually found the New World, of course, and a whole new race of world exploration began. And also at the same time, in the mid-1400s, Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press. And that changed the world, maybe more than any single invention ever. By the beginning of the 1500s, the world had dramatically changed. Because of the printing press, books and learning exploded across Europe. And because of Columbus and the other explorers, a whole new world was opened and wealth from that new world began to flood into Europe. Then in 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the chapel in Wittenberg and the Reformation was on. It quickly spread across all of Northern Europe, leading to huge changes in church government, and economy in Germany, the Netherlands, Scandinavia, and eventually England. Henry VIII, bothered that he couldn't just get rid of his wives whenever he wanted, saw the Reformation going on in Northern Europe, and he took the whole of England out of the Catholic Church and made the nation Protestant, basically just so he could marry Anne Boleyn. This was undone later by his daughter Mary I, but then redone by his other daughter, who was Anne Boleyn's daughter. That was Elizabeth, who eventually becomes Queen Elizabeth. Elizabeth ushered in the golden era of England, the Elizabethan era, where England had peace and prosperity, and where the Royal Navy made England into a world power, especially with their defeat of the Spanish Armada. And then the Renaissance and Reformation kind of came to a climax in England in the form of a playwright, William Shakespeare. So, at the end of the 1500s, as the 1600s began, we have the beginnings of the modern world, the boundaries of England, Spain, Germany, France, Italy, Switzerland, and many of the other countries of Europe were basically established, as were their ruling classes and families. These countries had their own languages, separate from Latin, and separate from each other. They had their own art, culture, and their own expressions of the church. Europe, as we know it today, was basically formed, although there would be, of course, some changes over the next 600 years. By the early part of the Middle Ages, we had seen the end of the mass migrations of European tribes like the Goths and Franks and Huns, etc., that had characterized the late ancient world. And by the end of the Middle Ages, people had really settled down. After settling down, European countries began exploring the world, sending ships to conquer and trade with other countries in the New World and the Far East. European countries, most notably Spain and Portugal, began to colonize the New World and also parts of Africa and India. But soon, England would become a strong rival in terms of colonization and New World trade, but that's more of a modern era thing. So this brings us to the end of the 1500s and the end of the Middle Ages. If I had to sum up the Middle Ages in just a few words, it would be this. It took a long time for Europe to recover from the fall of Rome, but when it did, Europe began to conquer the world, just like the Romans had. So what did the Middle Ages mean in terms of how these events shaped our modern world, like I say at the beginning of every podcast episode? Well, first and foremost, there's the printing press. Definitely a Middle Ages icon. That's up there with some of the most important inventions of all time. I mean, it's like the wheel or beer or sliced bread or something. The printing press changed the world almost overnight. And you can't really envision the Reformation without the printing press, and you can't have the Enlightenment without the Reformation, and that leads to the Declaration of Independence, etc., and all the things of our modern world. The printing press was a big deal, 
because it facilitated this massive explosion of books, reading, literacy, learning, and of people thinking for themselves because they could read for themselves. It's a huge change in the world. The feudal system was also very important in shaping our modern world as well. Feudalism created a lot of the really, really wealthy families that are still part of the oligarchy of our world, including many of the royal families that are still part of the structure of many European countries. And somewhat akin to that, many of the modern borders of countries in Europe were basically established during this time in the Middle Ages. The French live in France, the Germans live in Germany, the English live in England, the Scots live in Scotland, etc. The huge tribal migrations that had upended the ancient world stopped during the Middle Ages, and people, as I said, settled down. People groups settled into these permanent places, and though there was obviously ongoing fighting over who was in charge of which little area, people basically settled down. Now, these little squabbles over small bits of territory would, in the modern era, eventually lead to World War I and World War II, so we're not done fighting over territory. Another thing that I didn't mention, at least not directly in any of the episodes about the Middle Ages, was the invention of gunpowder, guns, and cannons. I kind of mentioned it back in episode 40 on the Hundred Years' War because that was the first war where cannons really made a difference. But the end of the Middle Ages marked a transition in warfare. A transition from soldiers wielding swords and axes and shields to soldiers wielding guns and manning cannons. Wow, this is going to be a really important part of the modern world. I mean, think about all the guns and cannons and bombs, etc., that were used during World War I and World War II, as well as the American Revolution, the French Revolution, Napoleon's campaigns in Europe, the American Civil War. All of those battles, all of those wars were very dependent on gunpowder and guns. And our modern world inherited that from the Middle Ages. Thank you, Middle Ages. We all really appreciate that kind of carnage. Another thing that I've hinted at as we work through the Middle Ages, but we'll definitely talk about more in the modern world, is that during the late Middle Ages, there was a growing sense that people were responsible for their own destiny and that we are each endowed with inherent rights just by being alive. That's an ancient world idea that was lost, but started to grow again during the Reformation, and we'll see it come to more fruition in the Enlightenment in the modern era. In Reformation terms, thinking of this, each person is responsible before God for their own life. It's not just a corporate thing. It's not just the church that's responsible. Each person must have their own individual faith. They must make their own choice to follow God or not. And that implies that each person has their own rights and their own responsibilities, even the lowliest peasant. That's an idea that was lost for a long time, but it really started to make a comeback with Martin Luther. Luther himself took a very bold, very individualistic stand when he said, here I stand, I can do no other. He was saying, it's up to him, not up to the Catholic Church or any other authorities, to decide if he's right with God. No one else gets to judge him for that. It's up to him to make that judgment. Honestly, you could probably trace a straight line from this action of Martin Luther's to our present-day postmodernism, where everyone does whatever they want because they think no one else has the right to judge them in any way. Well, individual rights and liberties are a very crucial and valuable part of the modern world. And that does, however, bring about the problem that no one can judge right from wrong because each person thinks that they get to judge that for themselves and no one can question it. I think it's one of the reasons for much of the brokenness in our current world. The pendulum has swung too far, perhaps. And the last thing that I want to mention here in terms of how the Middle Ages affected the modern world is that the Middle Ages gave us the Elizabethan Golden Age, and that included Shakespeare. 
And this was the time when England became the England that we know today. And that England will dominate much of the modern era. The modern era starts about 1700, and England was the dominant power in the world until maybe 1942, when the United States began to move into that spot. Well, you could make the argument that the United States is just an extension of the British Empire and a place where some of the culture, language, and values of the British Empire were refined, changed, and then manifested in a kind of non-feudal, non-royal way. But anyway, the Middle Ages gave us an ascendant England, and that really will be an important part of the modern era. And with that, the Middle Ages are finally over. And there was much rejoicing. Of course, as I said at the end of the ancient world, the first few years of the modern era were probably a lot more like the Middle Ages than they were like, say, you know, 1975 or something. But you have to divide these things somewhere. And as I said, going back to my earlier statement, if I had to pick one day that was the beginning of the modern world, it would be December 18th, 1620. That's the day that the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. Next episode, we'll look at the very earliest English exploration of the New World, including Jamestown and the lost colony of Roanoke. And then, in the episode after that, we will set sail with the pilgrims to found a new society in a new world.